Hi, everyone, and welcome to this interview. My name is Susanna Bryan. Today, we have a very special guest. We have Jody Stockhammer. I am so thrilled. This is a wonderful woman, as you are going to see. I call her my friend, um, and you're going to learn a lot, and I have learned a lot, and my heart just opens wider with people like Jody in the world. So, Jody, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me, Suzanne. All right. The first thing that I want to ask um, you is to tell us how how you found myself and doula givers. Can you tell me your story, please? I found you and doula givers before my diagnosis. Mm -hmm. I was always attracted to the hospice model, the compassionate model, the merciful model, the reasonable model, um, and uh, the bereavement model. And so I was involved and was always coming at life from that point of view. Actually, I just posted something recently that said life is so, so much more beautiful when you take a step back. Earth is more beautiful from the moon. Life is more beautiful from the perspective of death, from end of yeah. life. And yeah. that was always my approach. I'm one of those people that, you know, when I read a book, I start at the end. I read the last page. I just have to know, I have to have that, take a step back, that, that perspective. And so one thing led to another, I became aware of hospice, probably in my thirties and volunteered and um, learned so much about uh, the family model, the disease model, mm -hmm. the merciful model. And years went by and recently came across I, I, it must have been through social media that I came across you and I came across the idea of an end of life doula. I never had kids. And so the whole yeah. model of, I'm under yeah. a butterfly um, bush that attracts butterflies and bees. So if, if I'm waving things away, it's, it's not my fans. <laughs> <laughs> it's the bees. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, no, no, I just lost my, every since they told me that this could possibly met to the brain, I've decided that I'm losing my mind. <laughs> oh, well, no, I mean, look, I think that we all have those moments. So let's just stop there for a minute, because I think what you said is very significant. And I love the fact of always being attracted to that holistic, what I would call holistic model, the whole self, the, you know, you call it merciful and, and everything. And then I love when you talk about stepping back and looking at a view from above. And I also call that the heart lens, the bigger perspective, the one with all the wisdom that can really make sense of all those, you know, things that we go through in life and that, that seems so heavy and, and blocked in. So I love that. Now, the other thing that you shared is that you don't have children. And that is a very common thing right now that we, and we have an aging population that, you know, usually it's the adult child, not always, by the way, that cares for parents, but there's a there's a very large, almost 20 million in the United States population that over 65 that don't have children. My concern is what are we doing for them? How do we show up and care for them at the end of life? And that was another reason why Doula Givers was uh, started. Yeah, it's interesting. The reason why I mentioned that is because mm. uh, Doula has always been a model for a new mom. Mm -hmm. a new family. And so it really wasn't on my radar, mm -hmm. but I want everything. I'm just a greedy little girl and I want everything on my radar and I'm going to figure out a way to get everything on my radar. <laughs> yeah. You're and, like a sponge. 
Yeah, exactly. And so when I came across the idea of end of life doula givers, I got very excited. I was like, there's a way, there's a way I can do this. Yeah. Then I got very excited about that. And when I started to explore it, um, I, and like I said, this was before my diagnosis. Yeah. I wanted to know more. I did your level one Mm -hmm. and just loved the heck out of it. I loved the way it broke down how it happens. I love to garden. I'm a pet person. I am uh, uh, interested in the process. I'm interested in how leaves fall off and when petals fall off and when animals, you know, start to go into, you know, small little places because they're, they're preparing for a transition. That always interested me. And the idea that an end of life doula giver and, and your, and your program could break that down. Mm-hmm. What does the breathing look like? What does the, the energy look like? What does the thirst look like? What does the hunger look like? Um, it made more sense of life to me than just the belly of life where nothing really changes, that status quo of life. I'm so pleased about that. And I think that this is something, again, that I really want people to hear is that death is the number one fear in our world right now. And when we don't know about something, it creates this this fear around it really with no merit at times because we don't really know. And when we learn about something, whether we even like what we're learning or not, there's a sense of calmness that goes along with that. However, because we just know what to expect, but with end of life, there's so much beauty. Like you started this conversation saying that look, looking at life and living life through the lens of death is how you wanted to look at life because you wanted it to be this full experience. And that's how we have a full experience by knowing that one day it won't be the same by living with that awareness because you appreciate and interact so differently. So that, that is wonderful. So when you took the level one, it brought you, it brought you peace. I loved the level one. Then of course I got my diagnosis and I immediately reached out to your organization and immediately got a positive response somebody right down the street I mean Lino metaphorically she's probably you know 40 minutes away Mm -hmm. she and I had a nice conversation she was responsive she gave me and I appreciated her boundaries um she's a professional Mm -hmm. and she's not a volunteer and I appreciated knowing that there's a price tag to it because there's a value to it I appreciated that Mm-hmm. And she told me a little bit about what I was, I came to her very early on, yeah. um, didn't know what my needs would be and just kind of kept her in my back pocket. Of course. She checked in with me. Which I is, appreciated that. I love that, which is super smart, by the way, but let's go back to, if we may, when you got diagnosed and, and what, what, what you're going through with that diagnosis and what was it like when you first got diagnosed? When I first got diagnosed, it was the tail end of a long line of negligence and unprofessionalism and um, Mm. uh, confusion Mm. and um, not being heard. And so it wasn't a positive experience. I believe it could have been, but that's just me. Sure. You know, I, I train in a gym. I think a positive experience, you know, is pain not necessarily pain, but pain is a messenger. Um, Information can be a positive experience. Well, sure. It it was not a positive experience. And so that is the best way that I can put it. Um, I 
had some interesting reactions from family members, from friends. Um, I had always followed an alternative um, lifestyle in the sense that I fell outside of the quote unquote, I'm in, in New York. I don't know, are you in, you're, you're in America? Um, North Carolina right now. North Carolina, yeah. Um, certainly, you know, in, in my neck of the woods, um, you know, falling outside of that system is called alternative. I don't call it alternative. I'm just trying to be yeah, convenient exactly. um, yeah. and, 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 re and relevant. Yeah, so I'm yeah. using that word. Sure. Um, and I had some interesting reactions from people who actually flat out said to me in my face, well, what the heck do you think I've been doing all these years? I've been taking care of myself and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it was kind of interesting that there was so much judgment and finger pointing um, because again, ovarian cancer is uh, not something that it falls under a, a GYN regular appointment. Um, there are no regular tests for it. Um, the CA125 blood draw is not necessarily, it just really reflects inflammation. Yeah. Um, but without getting too technical and too far off of the yeah. um, doula givers uh, topic, um, it was not a positive experience. And like I said, it could have been. Yeah, I, and I agree with you, Jody. And I just, I, I, I want to be with you and, and just wrap my arms around you. So I'm giving you this virtual hug right now. I want to share with you because I've worked in oncology. So I've been that oncology nurse and I've been that hospice nurse. And I want to share with you that that's not an uncommon experience, unfortunately. And this is very sad. And I think, and I want to share this again, let's go from that heart, big view, right? So many people are so fearful of end of life. Even our doctors are taught to fix things, to keep it going at all costs. They're not looking at the big picture. That when we have our moment that our, we know end of life is going to come for each and every one of us, right? We don't know when that's going to be, how it's going to be delivered. But I think it just brings up everyone's stuff. And a lot of times people's self-projection and their fears get directed in the wrong way. So I just want to really shower you with love because I've seen this over and over how family members or other people will sometimes point the finger and it's like mind blowing. And I know they don't mean to be mean and do the wrong thing, but because we're so completely bonkers with end of life, not being a natural part of it, that it really goes very left um, in many ways. So I just want to wrap you in that love. So you have, you received a stage four diagnosis um, for the ovarian cancer. You had already been, bless your heart, doing some doula givers work. And also you had in, you know been with hospice and knew about that. And so then what did you do? Where did, where was your next move? I went to um, Sloan Kettering um, in New York. It is considered the best. Um, of course, I um, immediately, it's like Grand Central there. And the first day that I walked in there, I turned to my to be husband at the time. And I said to him, I don't belong here. I must have said it a hundred times. Yeah. I thought he was going to stick pins in his eyes and then stick pins in my eyes. I couldn't stop saying, I don't belong here. Yeah. I don't belong here. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't me being in denial of my um, diagnosis. Yeah. It was me having a reaction to a modality that it was like me trying to squeeze into a size one. Yeah. It didn't fit. Right. Um, and I, so, so that, that was, that was the next 
step for me. I, I was so crystal, but I gave it a try. Yeah. I gave, I gave it a try to be perfectly honest with you for my loved ones. Right. Um, and I put that in quotes because I'm not exactly sure um, if that's where they were coming from. Um, my fearful ones, I want to call them. Yeah, I, yeah. I, people begged me, cried, clung to, to, to my pant legs, please try to live, try to live. It was, I mean, it was worthy of an Emmy. I wanted to go to TJ Maxx and, and get, get new outfit for, for, for when they won the award. They yeah. were begging me, <laughs> you know, and, please. Yeah. And and so again, I, yeah, I'm sorry. I feel like, again, this just has that thread of fear that comes through. And I see it as well. Like I see people, especially um, who are very advanced in their disease processes and there's no chance of reversing it. Families doing the same thing, asking them to do this and do that. And sometimes those things are, are painful, um, what they're asking them to do. And when there's even no chance of it reversing or extending. So I think, again, we really want to bring the light into having death be our best friend because that's how you live the fullest. And that's, again, what we're really going to shine the light on with you because your emails and our exchanges are so beautiful with just your, again, the light that you bring to this. And then speaking from the position that you're in right now, you have such um, a message to share with other people. So understand that, you know, we do things for our loved ones, but my hope is that we can get this conversation out that everyone will respect everyone's wishes and be okay and not project on them just because I know that that can get a little funky. Um, so when you discontinued um, Sloan, what did you do then? Did you start, like, did you reach out to, how did, how did that go? What was the next step there? I waited until I was hospice appropriate and then I was young. Cow! I yep. was still there. Good. I was like, sign me up. I mean, yes. and this is and, wonderful. And, and oh golly gee, it's wonderful. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting is that the medical oncologist, I remember as I was leaving the office, um, just patted me on the shoulder and she said, Good luck, dear. And I remember thinking to myself, luck? I thought this was science. I remember thinking, I, I don't need luck. <laughs> good luck, good luck at what? Escaping death? Living to 900? I didn't quite know, but yeah. I digress. So I immediately skedaddled, skaduped, skipped, and hopped. I could not wait to sign up. And my, uh, by the time I was um, admitted onto the hospice program, I had probably gone several days without eating. I could barely lift my head. I hadn't been out of bed. Okay. Um, it was, uh, I thought, I guess I'm one of those people that's going to drag my oxygen tank you know, into, you know, my, my final moments, broken and bleeding. And I will be one of those people that they said, did you hear? She got into hospice just in time. I thought I was going to be one of those people. Fast forward, if I told you how I had a skedaddle and skadoot just to make this interview this morning, I was so busy. <laughs> I'm thriving. I am. So I love you so much, Jody. I love you so much in so many ways. When you were like, well, "We're going to do this," and you're like, eight o'clock in the morning on Thursday," I'm like, "Okay." And then when you got on here and you're like, "Oh my gosh, I have been doing so many things before and to get here," I'm like, "I love you. I love you. I love you." So <laughs> let's, you know, hospice is so incredibly beautiful, and 
you know, I really want people to know, look at how you shine and what you're doing. Getting on hospice early is one of the best things we could possibly do. So when you said, you know, one of those people who just made it in time, I have to say that, yes, it's important at any time that you can get on hospice is really important. But the earlier you get on, usually the better this whole experience and the end of life goes because there's so much richness here. So let's talk about hospice. Let's talk about doulas. Let's talk about that beautiful spectrum of holistic loving care for somebody in your space and actually everyone in our life. Cause we need to get back to that holistic model of love and compassion. I have no doubt that an end of life doula giver would have been very supportive and encouraging mm-hmm. um, as I exited Sloan and entered hospice. Mm-hmm. Um, it just uh, wasn't the path that I took, but I would encourage absolutely anybody to reach out for that transition. And then, of course, for people who choose not to be um, on hospice or for people who are not hospice appropriate, there's nothing better than yeah. that, that that model of an end-of-life woo giver because that is the support and encouragement. I like hospice because it is integrative. It is mm-hmm. the disease model that I love. It's spiritual. They come to the house. Yeah. It's emotional. They come to the house. It's physical. The nurse comes to the house. I am not sitting in a medical facility with That's my right. arms stuck out for six hours. Yep. You no, know? it's amazing. They come to the house. Everything comes to the house. Yes. And it's paid for, at least here in, in America, in New York. Yeah. Um, it's paid for. Yep. yep. I am um, campaigning and raising funds because I chose to have probably a little too early, but probably not. I chose to have a private uh, home health aide. Um, mm-hmm. He's here 120 hours a week. That's what I can afford right now. Um, and he is the support and encouragement that's appropriate. My husband would be drowning in worry yeah. and, wow. um, and and would lose his sense of himself. Yeah. And, yeah. and this is important because I think that as beautiful and hospice, I love hospice. I love the people that work for hospice. It's such a beautiful model of care and it's very misunderstood in the public is what, what I know. But they also, people don't fully understand the the amount of time that everything comes to your house, but the nurse will come for a time period. The social worker, what about all that other time that you're home? And I love that you just shared about understanding your husband's needs and what would it be like for him and having that other person that knows end of life to be there to hold the space. And that really is, again, the definition of a doula giver. Now you have it with a home health aide beautiful. As long as we understand what's needed in that dynamic for everyone, not just for you, but for your husband as well. So I love that you did that. And I think it's so important for us to understand how difficult it is on caregivers. You know, for me as the hospice nurse, I would come in and assess the patient and the the model is that I'm supposed to teach the loved ones how to do the care. Sometimes I was there for only an hour visit periodically, the fear of death, We're asking people to take care of their loved ones that are dying without them really knowing the first thing on how to do that. That is almost cruel. That has to change. And that, Jody, is again why the level one doula givers is out there being taught every month for free to teach families how to do this, to teach people about end of life so they don't have to be fearful, to give them inspiration about what that lens could look like if we look through it at life. So there's just so much great 
understanding around what we can do here. So I love that you shared the importance of hospice. It's beautiful. Getting on earlier, I think the earlier, the better. Knowing that everything comes to your house and then assessing what are your needs. And I think that, again, one, one person cannot do end of life for another. They just can't. But I also think it's not okay that it's on one person. This is when they're saying goodbye to somebody they love so much. So when they don't know how to do it and it's the only one and it's 24 seven, that's just not fair. Let's bring in other adjunct support so that this can be the most positive experience possible. And it can be. And it can be. And what's so interesting, Suzanne, is that people say to me, you're so brave, you're so courageous. And I don't really understand what that means. I think you have to be rather brave and courageous to stick your arm out and you never quite know if you're going to go into anaphylactic shock. You never know what you're going to go into. You never know what you're going to go into when you, you know, get cut open or this, that, or the other thing. What kind of complications am I going to come out of this surgery with a bag? I think those people are courageous. Um, there is absolutely nothing courageous about it. To me, this is going to sound really nuts, um, but it's like saying you're courageous for opening a letter, opening a birthday card, opening a message. It's just a message. That's all it is. This is what's going on. This is what's happening. You're courageous to read the facts, read the truth. You're courageous to learn. You're courageous to embrace life fully. You're, in, you're courageous to eat that last little, to, to lick that last little piece of cake off of the fork. How is that courageous? That's yeah. just embracing the entire life, the entire meal, the entire gift that we get when we're born. So let me ask you this, Jody. What what do you think the world would be like if we could bring back that awareness early on in the journey? Talk to our children honestly and openly, age appropriately about the life cycle that we have with nature and with animals and and everything that happens, and looking at life from the very early stages, not at the end. The very with that kind of lens on, what would our life be like? What would this world? be like? I think it would be so much more relevant. It would be so much easier to relate to other people. Absolutely. There's a picture of me. I had started um, this morning by saying that I never had kids. And that was relevant to the fact that doula wasn't on my radar until we yeah. started, you know, being aware of your model, which is end of life. But mm -hmm. I just changed my um, cell phone screen picture. Um, it's a picture of I'm, I'm in, a, a, in a band and um, the, one of our newest members just, um, uh, he had a baby 11 months ago. And um, uh, there is, somebody had said to me, do, do you wanna hold the baby? They always say to women, do you wanna hold the baby? And I, and I always say, no, no, I don't wanna hold the baby, but I did wanna get down on the floor and be the baby. And once I was down on the floor, you know, there was me relating to the baby. I'm comfortable on the floor. I'm comfortable on my knees. I'm comfortable yeah. at that level. Um, I think that it would, we would see each other more relevantly there. there I, I've always felt that it would be a more relevant, peaceful world if we could um, identify the similarities in each other. And, and golly gee, what, what more of a similarity could you possibly look for than life and death? That is what we all have in common. That's not right. our language, not our skin. Not the kind of hat we wear, not the amount of digits we have in the bag, but the fact that there's a beginning and an end. There will be a, we will all experience a last breath. It would be a relevant world. Oh, 
It's humanity, right? At its yes. best. And when you take death out of the equation, like we have now, you have it's chaos. Not, it's you have chaos. chaos. So when we bring that back and we say, wow, you're no, no different than I am. In fact, you have the same worries and struggles and, and things that we go through in the same heart that that awareness of end of life, death is our greatest teacher about how we are similar and how time is our greatest commodity and how kindness is something and presence is what we can give to each other every single day. And that can change the world. So Jody, you just said it. So let's bring that back because that is how we change the world. You know, everyone is yelling about this law and I, and that president and everything like that. That's not how it changes. It changes with the perspective changing of getting back into the heart and that we're all similar and being there for one another. Love that, Jody. Can you tell me what your life is like today? I don't even know where to begin. I can't get up early enough. <laughs> I'm putting together a couple of fundraisers right now to fund my home care. And yeah. the very first um, fundraiser that I um, had put together was a GoFund Jody's Joy. Yep. And the second fundraiser that I put together <clears throat> that I'm working on <clears throat> is going to be a benefit concert at the local library. The third yeah. fundraiser, because I tend to project, I'm, I'm just kind of a type A doer. I'm the exact same person I always was. Yeah. So my third fundraiser is projected into November, December, and it's back to my roots. You know, I'm a cook. And um, I had, I wrote out two menus with Ukrainian themes. And um, I want to sell dinner parties, eight to 10 people. Um, and they're going to be held in people's homes, kind of Rachel Ray style, you know, yeah. uh, me just being chatty and chopping, you know, chopping with Jody's joys is, is what it's going to be called. I love it. And yeah, exactly. And, and it's funny because somebody pointed out to me, Jody has the word joy in it. So now I've started spelling my name J-O parentheses D-Y. And the so D good. could be death. The D could be delight. The D could yep. be anything, but the yeah. joy is there. <clears throat> and so my day started out getting all of that prepped because I brought a chef friend of mine in um, to practice some of the recipes. Great. And so we're doing run-throughs on the Ukrainian, um, <clears throat> on the Ukra on the Ukrainian um, vegetable strudel. We're going to be practicing a honey babka with an ice cream cheese frosting. So that's how my day started. And then of course, I like to run my kitchen like a restaurant. I just want to run in there, grab my soup, keep going. So I had to get my soup prep for the day, my chopped salad prep for the day. Cause I still do care very, very much about what I put in my body. And it's interesting sure. because, and God bless the people that make other decisions with all due respect. Mm -hmm. There are, you know, I'm in a local um, peer support group for uh, people that um, are experiencing cancer. I choose to call it experiencing cancer because paradigm shifts happen. And That's this is a paradigm shift. That's yeah. all that happened. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, and so as a result, you know, I am exposed to other people's choices and decisions and I respect that completely. Yeah. Um, and, and so there are many people that say, well, you know, my doctor said it doesn't really matter what I eat at this point. So I try to chug down as many sodas as I can because that's something that I'm not going to throw up. And I'm thinking to myself, hmm, okay, that, that's fine. That's great. I respect that. But, yeah. you know, I still want my chopped salads and I still want my healthy soups and I still want my brown rice. 
So I had to get all my food prep. And then of course I had to do all my, my, my self-care. I'm still massaging my skin. You know, I, I don't quite, you know, um, have what it takes to swing my 40 pound kettlebells anymore. And so I'm losing a little bit of, didn't want to kill that ant because he has a right to live to. Um, I didn't want to, you know, and so I see my skin kind of collapsing where those muscles used to be. So, so, and I'm just aware of that now. So I make a point of, um, you know, making sure that I, you know, get the best products I can for my skin so that I continue to feel really good about myself. Of course, because there's no judgment, there's no judgment, but isn't it about feeling good every day, no matter what, every day no matter what that means to you every you know, day, for, right. For everyone. So I think that's beautiful. And I know that from my talks with you and things that it just, I feel this immense gratitude and appreciation for every single day that, that just lights you up with every, <laughs> with everything you do, there seems to be this just pile of beautiful gratitude energy with it, which shines from you, um, which is wonderful. And which is how we should all be living. I could have been living like this the whole time, the whole time I was going shopping all those decades. I wish I was a four. I wish I was a six. I wish I was an eight. I don't think I would have known what to do with it. If I put a size four on, Yeah. Yeah. now I put my clothes on and I mean, I can barely, I barely have time to zipper them up because there's so much to do. Not because I'm in a, in a hurry to get everything done, because but because I appreciate the ability to grind my coffee beans. I appreciate the ability to have this conversation with you. Um, as soon as I'm done, I've got to skedaddle out to the bank and get a, a little bit of administrative work done. And then I've got to run back because the, um, the hospice nurse is coming and she's going to take my vitals and, 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 and she cares about, you know, am I going to the bathroom and, and all those questions that golly gee could have been asked this whole time. And maybe it wouldn't have been caught at a stage four. You know, Jody, when I, when I work and I've worked with, I've had the honor and privilege of working with over a thousand people at the end of life. And I've often had this kind of um, answer from people that found finally found their joy and their flow when they got ill and when it kind of woke them open to presence and to their heart living in their heart and living in that gratitude which is such a magical space to live in and you just said it I could have been living like this this whole time so I really want people to hear that because it's a it's a place of really just perspective and changing the way you look at life and look at your day with not doing, but more with being. Being. Right. And when we be, all of a sudden we connect to this greater energy and love. And I really want people to hear that because we want people not to wait, but to live it now because you are a prime example of that. Um, What would you, what advice would you give somebody who gets a terminal diagnosis that would help them? Get a group. I'm a group girl. I get better when I'm in a group. I get better when I share experience, strength, and hope. I get better when I'm supported and encouraged by people who are experiencing um, something similar. Yeah. That's what I, that's what helped me tremendously. And through that, through the groups, um, the the peer support groups, the Gildas Club, um, Mm -hmm. whatever the groups were that I got involved in, 
I remember the, one of the very first things I did was call a girlfriend of mine. She was on a recurrence. And I called her and I said, I don't get you. Why don't you just kill yourself? You're going to go through this again, the surgery again, the radiation again, the chemo again. What's your story? She said, look for the miracles. I was like, um, you, I don't think you just heard me. I said, there aren't any miracles. What, what are you talking about miracles? You're going through this again. She said, look for the miracles. That was the best advice I ever got. That was her advice to me. Um, and she was right. Every day there's been a miracle. Oh, you know what? Yeah. That is just the theme of life. Because I think it's so hard for so many people just on many levels. Look for the miracles because they're there. They're there. They're there. Okay. And would you recommend to families and to people to take the doula givers level one, that free training? 100%. Like, take it, take it. Right. 100%. You need it. Mm-hmm. Why it really not? Helps. Yeah. It, 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 it was a comfort to me before yeah. my diagnosis. Yeah. It's a comfort to me now being diagnosed. It's a mm-hmm. comfort to me to be able to share it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. A hundred percent. It's reality. It, it's, it's spiritual food. It's, it's spiritual. Oh, I love that. I love that. It's spiritual food and, and hospice and hospice and get on hospice sooner rather than later. They're available for six months or less. And you can even get recertified on them if you need to. They're wonderful. And like you said, they come to you. Everything comes to you. Yes. So Jody. You are such an inspiration. I love you so very much. And I know this is going to help so many people because it's fantastic for me to share what I know from my space. It's it's a whole nother perspective when you hear from somebody who's actually in that space, opening your heart and sharing it with the world. And we love you so very much. Now, I know that you have a GoFundMe page. Can you share what that GoFundMe is for and then how people can donate to you? Absolutely. The GoFund, um, the GoFundMe page is for Jody's Joy. It is specifically so that I can um, cover the expenses of a private home health aid. He is not through an agency. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted him. He, mm-hmm. And I wanted him because I remember when I knew him a little bit through a case that we had both caught. I was already in home care at the time. Mm-hmm. And so I was on the case as a companion. He was on the case medical. So in passing each other in the hallway, so to speak, we got to know each other a little bit. So when I got my di- diagnosis and, and that patient passed away, um, I had said to him, I am thinking about, you know, um, you at, as, a, as a home health aide for mm-hmm. myself. I said, but here's the deal with me. I like to hike. I mean, I'm not talking walking. I like to hike. I like to hike for hours. Would you be willing to hike with me? Or are you just going to sit there, put me in a pull-up, you know, hoyer me over at eight o'clock at night and put nope. me to bed? You know, I want to hike. Yep. Would you hike with me? And he said, I said, would you hike with me until I can't? Right, right. He said, I'll hike with you until you can't. And then I'll carry you. Yeah. 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 What so, an amazing person. And he is in my house right now. He lives with us 120 hours a week. Um, he's got a little 48 hour shift that I still would like to fill for him. Um, and so specifically the GoFundMe, um, that is not something that Medicare covers. 
they right. would certainly send me an agency person. I'm sure yeah. they'd be fantastic, but it would be a different shift. Yeah. It might be four hours. They might do different things. Yeah. This is what I chose to do. That's right. And so I started the GoFundMe page and the response has been so encouraging. Mm -hmm. um, and that is specifically what it's for. Every penny of I it goes. It. And I'm looking to fund two tours. Um, hospice, I know, will revisit me after a year. You know, they'll, I'll, I'd like, so I'd like two six-month tours. So I know what those digits come out to. And that's the number that I'm looking to, as my, that, that I said is my goal. Absolutely beautiful. Well, we will help you to reach that goal for sure. And um, this man is just amazing what he just shared. And I also think it's so important for people to hear you chose him. You wanted him. Um, and I think people should investigate again their local hospices before they ever need them, get to know them and doula givers, get to know the doula givers in your area, because then there's, you know, if you have a relationship, you know who it's going to be, you know who you like, and there's a, there's a priceless peace of mind that comes with all of that. So ahead of time, planning ahead of time, in my opinion, and what I've seen 80 to 90% leads to a better end of life, 80 to 90%. That is a win across the board. It is a win across the board. And it's interesting because we all, you know, know that that is important when it comes to our documents. Um, but it's so important as far as our state of mind, because the bottom line is, as you know, Suzanne, the only thing we take with us is our state of mind. That's right. So it's no, it doesn't just apply to documents. It applies to the holistic model that we talked about. Yes. Jody, Jody, you are such a light. I want to thank you. And I want to, again, help you to reach your goal, but also thank you for your gift of your being in this world and also your shares. It is tremendous. I know that it has helped so many and I can't wait to continue the journey with you. I am blessed, not depressed. I love and, it. And, I, and I'm so grateful that you and I had an opportunity to connect. Make it a great day. I'm going to. I'm going to, and I hope all of you are going to. So Jody, again, thank you so much. We'll have your information below. Thank you. Thank you everyone for listening to this interview. My name is Suzanne O'Brien from Doula Givers, and we will see you in the next interview. Thank you.